I pray everyone has been doing well and is doing well. God has really, I feel like, been speaking to us. Uh, Sunday morning, I felt such a strong witness of the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. And then again, uh, Sunday night, we called it a, I think they called it a pastor bump. It turned more into a, a bang. I got a little bit more excited than I thought that I would have. Uh, I guess it just serves to, to reason. When you talk about the Word of God, something just begins to happen. I know many of our services, when we begin to sing about the blood and uh, we all sing it together, something begins to happen. You know, that's not a coincidence. He said, wherever my people are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of it. Well, here's the thing. Our gathering might not be a hundred and something people, but there's a gathering in your home, two or three gathered in his name. There he is in the midst. So he's still meeting in our homes. He's meeting with families. He's meeting with individuals. I'm hearing about uh, certain prayers that, that people are just having tremendous experiences in God uh, at this time. And I'm so thankful and thrilled for what God is doing and his witness of his spirit. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, God's moving. But then to feel the confirmation and the witness of that spirit. You feel peace when everything else is in chaos. Or you may feel uh, hope uh, when you're surrounded. Or maybe you've been talking to people on the phone that, that maybe aren't going to church. Or they're not part of a church. And you can hear the hopelessness and despair in them. But yet in the middle of hearing it, you feel peace and hope within yourself. You know, it's a telltale sign to you and I and such a beautiful blessing of that God is walking with us and God is with us in the midst of all this. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about the Word of God. Uh, tonight, Wednesday night, I want to do something a little different. As you can tell, I'm in my office. I toyed with going down to, you know, the church and doing it maybe in the pulpit there. But uh, I was going to just do it old school style, you know, sitting at a desk. And I want to I want to have a Bible study tonight. And I know typically Wednesday nights, is, it's uh, Bible study, teaching, and so forth. Usually turns into a little bit of preaching and me moving around. So uh, if it's any consolation to anybody, uh, uh, this test may try to tether me just a little bit, maybe help. But, but really and truthfully, uh, I want to use a Bible study I've used many, many times into His Marvelous Light. Uh, I've had several uh, people ask me about recommendations for Bible studies. I highly recommend Into His Marvelous Light. There are so many that are around. Probably this is one of the oldest, but it's a good one. It, it just real uh, concise. It's very objective. Uh, it pinpoints and goes right through the scriptures. Uh, it's topical. doesn't go very deep, and I like that. Uh, it, it just, again, it's based on about an hour. And uh, here tonight, I'm not foreseeing me going an hour, but I, I want to start with it. I've got some, I actually had planned a couple Wednesdays back uh, to start breaking down individual uh, on a Bible study teaching, repentance, and spend a night or two on repentance, a night or two on baptism. <clears throat> well, this would be a good precursor. Uh, so I want you to get your notepad. I want you to get a, a pen, get your Bible, because like I said, this is going to be a time to write. Uh, I know preaching is for inspiration, but teaching is for rooting and grounding, and that's what this is tonight. I, I want us to, I hope young people are watching uh, and then further, uh, whatever here tonight we go through, uh, hopefully it will be, uh, maybe it'll stay on YouTube. I'm not sure how all that works, but for those of you that are going to teach into His Marvelous Light down the road, you can go back to this, and hopefully within this video there will be some um, bits of, of understanding or whatever it may be that may try to help you uh, when you begin to teach it. So I want us to pray before we get started, and then we're going to start with 2 Timothy chapter 3. Jesus, I thank you here tonight for the opportunity to open your word. It is a privilege 
to open your word and hear it. God, I don't want to ever take it for granted, no matter how or, or where we are in the presenting of your word or the hearing of it. But God, I want to treat it with the utmost sobriety and the utmost uh, respect that I want you to speak to us tonight. Talk to our hearts, root and ground hearts, minds, souls, and spirits. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus, bless your people tonight as we hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, is where we're going to start from in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy, again, the, the pastor of the Ephesians church, and Timothy is needing just some encouragement again. A lot of writings you'll find in, in, in Timothy is Paul reaffirming to Timothy uh, as a newly pastor or new pastor, uh, young pastor at that. But pastoring a church, Ephesus was a church of almost 50,000 people, uh, quite a congregation to, to pastor and tend to. And, uh, but Paul knew enough about it that there had to be along the way encouragement. So he starts, or I say starts, this is the closing of it, and he reminds Timothy, Timothy, the word of God is given by inspiration of God, but here's what the word of God will do. It is profitable for number one, doctrine. The word of God will always be substantial and will sustain you and I in doctrine. The word of God is also profitable for reproof. It's going to uh, correct you and I. The next scripture says for correction. So it's for directing us and correcting us and helping us to know what pleases God. For instruction to the righteous. And then he says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what he basically said in a nutshell in, in those two verses, which are power packed, he's saying that the Word of God has got everything it needs in it to furnish what you need in living for God. I love that scripture, and especially when you understand the context with Timothy. Timothy's needing this encouragement. So if we know that it's given by inspiration with God, uh, now we'll, we'll start the, I guess you'd say, the journey or the trip of if I know it's given by God and it's profitable for doctrine, it's profitable for reproof and correction, it's profitable to help me know what pleases God, then it would be to my interest to begin to get into the Word of God and, and follow the things that I, I read in the Word of God uh, that it could furnish everything that I need. I want to start... Uh, the Bible study with John chapter 1. Very familiar passage of scripture. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by Him. This ain't in the Bible study but it teaches real good. Notice in verse 3, all things were made by Him, not them. There was no eternal son. There was no eternal uh, third person of, of a trinity. It says all things were made by him. God alone made all things. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. But he just said in the very first verses, and again, I'm, 
<laughs> this is where I'm going to struggle with teaching this Bible study because I want to just kind of go down in it and just dig on that John 1 and 1. But let, let me leave it real topical tonight for when you begin to teach these Bible studies, you got to remember the people that you're teaching, uh, they may not have a knowledge of the Word of God. So you want to keep it very topical. I know tonight I'm talking to our church family and many of you have the depth and the maturity we could go there. But for sake of down the road and whoever you and I may teach let's we'll, we'll keep it like it is what he's saying is this in him was life and the life was the light of men but the darkness comprehended it not he was going to the very days of creation that in the beginning was God and God created all of these things but before anything was created darkness was upon the face of the deep Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 2 and he said the darkness comprehended it not in John the light came the darkness could not prevail against the light. That's many times where we are, or in reaching for people. They don't know it, but they're in darkness. They don't understand the Word of God. They can't see what you're even saying. But what he's trying to show them is when the Word of God comes, the Word of God is light that darkness cannot prevail. So the answer for you and I is the Word of God. The more Word of God that we can speak to people, not our analogies, not our pictures. Jesus was a master of parables. I'm not a master of parables. But if I can somehow take that Word of God that is light and share that with somebody, the darkness that they're in will not prevail. So that means if someone's in darkness with addiction, the darkness cannot prevail. If they're battling drug addiction, alcohol addiction, if they're battling perversion, if they're battling, let's talk about simple things. They're battling with lying. They're battling with, uh, 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 what's that word where they steal stuff? Not, I'll say narcolepsy, but that's where you can't sleep. Something where you can't steal stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But they say they're battling. They can't keep their hands in their pocket and they're wanting to steal stuff. You know, that's darkness. They don't know it, but that's called a thief. Well, the Word of God can help people like that. So what I'm trying to get somebody to see here from the very beginning, and God help me to get to the end of this Bible study because I can see myself bogging already, is if we can get the Word of God to them, then that Word will help them and encourage them. And whatever darkness they're in, it's not going to be your personality that's going to get them out. Now, I think you and I need to be nice and kind and exemplify Christianity. We need to exemplify the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, all nine fruits of the Spirit. But outside of that, remember, it's going to be the Word of God that transforms a life. Not me and you preaching to them, but me and you taking the Word and saying, here it is. So, let's skip down to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we got John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh. So in the beginning was God. The Word the same. They're one and two and the same. My words are me. And he's saying in the beginning was God. And God, verse 14, was manifested in the flesh. So you see that it wasn't God. And he looked over at Junior, the son, and said, Go. What God did was is he said, In the beginning is me. My words and me are the same. They can't be separated. And verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So you see from the very beginning, it's one God that was in the beginning. And that God manifested himself in the flesh in verse 14 
showing that there's only one God. I'm not denying sonship. Sonship was not a separate being, but it was a work that had to take place. Here's the point in case. This isn't in the Bible study, but it's a good interjecting point, is that the Spirit of God had no blood. He had to have blood to redeem man. He had to robe himself. So God is a spirit, manifested himself in the flesh, that he could shed blood, which is the work of sonship. Not a separate son, but him himself manifested in the flesh to shed blood. John 1, chapter 1, verse 11. He came unto his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to him he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but nor of the will of man, but of God. Now you got to get this part. You, you, it's it's critical. You see it because this is where it's going to being born of the Spirit. He came into his own; his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. That means you were born into something to become sons of God, even to them that believed on. His name. What's his name? We know it is Jesus. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. What's God? Spirit. So what he's saying is, is if you're going to become a son of God, or in the lineage of God, or God's going to become your covering, then there has to be a birth of God. Birth of the Spirit is what I want you to see there in that particular verse. Uh, if we believe in him and receive him, Jesus gives us power to become the sons of God by a supernatural birth. Turn to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now there was a Pharisee, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher who come from God. No man can do these miracles except thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb. Very good question, folks. Don't make it so spiritual. Let's look at it from common sense. He asked a good, he asked a good question. Jesus said, You've got to be born, in verse 3, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus said, how in the world? I'm, I'm 40, 50, 60, 80 years old. How can I go back into my mother's belly again? Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you remember what I just read you in John chapter 1 and verse 12 and 13 and 14 when it said, a man's got to be born of God, not of the will of man, nor of the flesh. John was saying, this is what Jesus was saying, this is what's coming down the road. In order for you to see the kingdom, you've got to be born of the Spirit, watering of the Spirit. Jesus' response, verse 5, to Nicodemus' good question, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou heareth the sound thereof, but thou cannot tell us where it cometh, neither where it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Jesus also told Nicodemus that whosoever believeth in him should have eternal life. Jesus mentioned two seemingly different requirements for salvation. One is being born again, the other is believing. Yet this is not a contradiction. I'm, I'm, hopefully this will help somebody because many people have come and said, well, if I just believe in Jesus, I'm saved. You need to read this scripture here because believing does not just come. That's a good first step. That's a good first step in the direction. Believing is the beginning. 
But believing is going to constitute some further action or transaction that's going to take place. So Jesus did not contradict himself when he was telling Nicodemus. Jesus said, whosoever believeth in me. Verse 8, he says, uh, verse 8 says, and this isn't in that Bible study, but if, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down because this is imperative. Jesus and Nicodemus came together and he said, how can I enter into my mother's room? Jesus said, I can't. Or Jesus said, you can't enter your mother's womb a second time. You've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Then he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is of the spirit is spirit. He's referring back to John chapter 1 and verse 11 where he was talking about he's not born of the will of man nor of the flesh, but he's born of God. Jesus is relaying the same thing again. He's saying, you're not, this is not a birth of natural means. I'm talking about being born supernaturally. There's something that's going to take place. Well, here's how he lets him know, Nicodemus, you got to be born of the water and the Spirit. How do you know you're born of the water and the Spirit? Jesus gives the answer in verse 8. This is the part you ought to take a note. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou canst not tell. Verse 7 says, Marvel not that I say you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Very powerful scripture in verse 8. Because what verse 8 is saying is, is the way you know you're born of the Spirit. Read it. Verse 8. Look at it. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Go back to the beginning of that verse. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. That word sound in the original Greek means phone. It, just, it defines language. So put it in text. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the language thereof. Closing of that, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So very plain in verse 8, it says, this is how you know you're born of the Spirit. You're going to speak a language you never knew before. It's phone. It's a language. That's the sound that accompanies the birth of the Spirit. I've heard many people say, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. According to this scripture, you can't get around that scripture right there. Jesus plainly says that if you're born of the Spirit, you're going to hear a sound that's going to accompany that birth. Now, again, that's not in the Bible study. I'll give you that one free of charge. Go to John chapter 7 and 39. Another powerful scripture connecting. Notice it's all John. I love the book of John. He is one of the most revelatory, uh, next to the book of Hebrews, uh, revelatory speakers or books uh, that I find. John chapter 7 and verse 38. John chapter 7 and verse 38. In the last day there stood a great feast. Jesus stood crying out, if any man come unto me, let him thirst and drink. Verse 38, he, now here it is, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said. See, what you see right here is, is he that believeth on me, that's good. There is an element of believing that has to take place. That's the first step. But we've got to do it as the scripture has said. That's the difference. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now wait, it gets better. Verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus wasn't glorified. So in that scripture, you've got this picture. 
Very good that you believe. That is good. That is a great step. And Jesus said it. But we've got to believe as the scripture has said in verse 39 says, For this spake he of the Holy Ghost, which it had not been given. So believing was the first step. But the other component of this salvational message was they had to receive the Spirit. Go back to John chapter 3. I just read it. How can a man enter into a mother's womb? Jesus said he's got to be born of the water and of the Spirit or he no wise can enter or to see the kingdom. And then it says enter. Here we discover in John chapter 7 that if we believe on him according to his word, we will receive the Spirit. We find that scriptural belief is more than just a chain in the way we think. It results in a scriptural experience. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, 35 through 36. John chapter 12, 35 through 36. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he know that walk for for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus, and he departed, and did hide himself from them. Today, just as much as in Jesus' day, many believed on him, but they will not believe in him for the fear of what others will say. Verse 42, 42 of that same chapter will confirm that. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, as many as believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. We need to take note with that because I know many people will not ascribe. We can, I can teach just like I am here tonight to many and say, a man's got to be born of the water and the spirit. And the way you know you're born of the spirit is you hear a sound thereof, a phone, a language. A language will testify, another language you speak, it testifies that you have now received the spirit. So then you go to this scripture and says, for many believed on him, verse 42, but because of the Pharisees, they did not want to confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they loved the praises of men more than they loved God. Basically saying they didn't want to get kicked out of their own church. And I've ran across many people that, 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 that church has become a community and family and rightfully so and I understand that it's become their identity. But here, according to Scripture, Jesus said many was the word preached to them, but because of fear of man or fear of losing a friend or fear of losing uh, some other, uh, well, if I believe this, my mama didn't believe this. I, that's a commonly uh, thing. I remember my mother, who was of a different denomination, when she first heard this truth, that was a challenge for her because her mother did not profess to that. And here's my statement to all of that. How do you know? You don't know if your lost loved one that has done passed away. You don't know. Maybe they've already repented. Maybe they've already been baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And they never told you anything or they never told us anything. And I can't let my today decision be based upon a past maybe that my family member maybe did or didn't. So Jesus is clearly saying many believe but because of fear of man or fear of what people would think or fear of this or that, they would not confess him and they would not follow this doctrine that he was teaching to Nicodemus, who, by the way, in this verse, was a Pharisee, just what he was referring to. Nicodemus was a Pharisee that was willing to come out of that synagogue and that old, lost, stoic, dead 
whatever it was, and he was willing to hear what Jesus was saying because he felt something that was different. See, and that's what happens many times. It's not me. It's the Word of God that's going forth. People feel something. Here's what you and I want to challenge them to do. If you're feeling this and you're seeing this in the Word of God, don't let man stop you from making a decision that the Word of God is clearly telling you and I to do. And that's where many of us are. Many people are. They don't want to make a decision because if they do, they're going to be feared or they'll be they'll they fear being ostracized or cast out by family members or on and so forth and here's what he said they rather the praises of people they would rather the applause of people than they would to please God. The bottom line is, people have to come to terms with, I want to please God more than anything in this world. I live for God not because of my wife, my family, my church family. I live for God because I want to please Him. Nothing else. That is the absolute, what you and I have to come to terms with. John chapter 12, verse 44. And Jesus Christ said, He that believeth on me, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. He that seeth me, sent, seeth him that sent me. I have come a light unto the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. In response to their fearfulness, Jesus warns that his word will judge us, so we must be careful not to reject it. Keep reading in verse 47. And, it, and if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save it. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Here's what Jesus saying. I came as an humble man. I came as love. I came in a most palatable way for you to receive the word of God. But here's the thing. My words... I'm not judging you. My words is what's going to judge you and I. So what he's saying is, and this goes into this whole mindset, Jesus is lovey-dovey, goppy-doppy, lovey-lovey-lovey. Yes, he is. He's the most kind, loving, meekness. He's the best friend you and I will ever have. But remember this, I will never escape the words he says. And that's what this scripture is saying. He comes so palatable. He comes so kind. He comes as a gentle shepherd. He comes meek and mild as a lamb. He comes in all these ways trying to make it where you and I can approach him. But he's saying this to the end. I come in the best way I know how. But here's what you need to hear. My words are going to, I'm not going to judge you. My words are going to judge you in the end. So what you and I need to adhere to this is if it's in this book, then I need to do my best part to figure out what pleases God from this book. This is the foundation, the base for your whole life. And that's what Jesus was trying to say to their fearfulness. He's saying, listen, you may be fearful of man. You may be worried about getting kicked out of the synagogue, but you need to not be worried about man and your family. You need to be worried about the word of God that's going to judge you and I at the end of time and make sure that we did this right and we lived right. John chapter 17, I feel the preach coming up on me right now. I'm telling you. John chapter 17. This is when I wish I had a pulpit and a mic. John 17 and verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctify means separate. Separate them through truth. Thy word is truth. And thou shalt send me into all the world, even so... Lord, I need you glasses. Even so, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify my, myself that they also might be sanctified through truth. 
Truth is what separates you and I. It's not denominations. Somebody hear me. You can share this with them. I mean, it's not denominations. It's truth. That's what separates people. It's not, we, we want to say it's denominations. I believe this, I believe that. You need to forget about all that stuff. What does the Word of God say? Truth is going to separate and it's going to take care. Fact is, I remember my old grandfather. My grandfather preached this message back in the 50s. He was ostracized. He was fruited by the local other denominations. It wasn't a denominational war. It was a truth war. He was preaching that men had to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost, and them other denominations were opposing that. They weren't opposing him. They were opposing the truth that came straight out of the Word of God. Neither I pray them, watch this, neither pray, Jesus speaking, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through there. Y'all can't see me. My arm goes out the camera. There. He was pointing to the apostles. There is the apostles. Put it in text. Neither pray I for these. He's saying these apostles. I'm not just praying for my 12 faithful few, but I'm praying for them. That's me and you that's going to believe on me through their word, the apostles. Understand? So what he's saying is, is I, 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 the struggle, y'all are looking at me face to face, not talking about this right here, this video, I'm Jesus speaking to the apostles, he's telling them, I'm, pr I'm praying for you boys, but you ain't got it tough. I'm praying for them way down the road that are going to have to believe this based on your word. They're not going to see me. They're going to have to believe it on what you as the apostles teach and preach. I've heard many people say, I'm only going to believe the words of Jesus. Oh, that's good, but you can't throw. If you're going to only believe the words of Jesus, then we need to take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's, the, that's your Bible. You don't get nothing else. Because everything after that was all written by the apostles. Acts written by Luke and on down the line. Ephesus, Corinth, on down the line. You got to take the words of Jesus and the apostles together because Jesus right here says, I put my stamp on these apostles that whatever they say, you got to believe what they say. Jesus and the apostles were in harmony and conjunction together. So Jesus prayed for his disciples before his crucifixion. He said his, his word is truth and he prayed for us that those that believe on him would also believe on the words of the apostles. Now, uh, let me read one more scripture here. Luke 24. Go backwards. Turn to Luke 24, commonly called the Great Commission. Luke 24 and uh, verse 45. Um, then opened he their understanding, talking to his disciples, that they might understand the scripture. He said, Thus it is written, thus it behoove Christ to suffer, rise on the third uh, rise from the dead the third day, the gospel. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. And all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. Notice he's talking in first person when he says in his name. It's one and the same. And ye are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. And behold. I send the promise of my Father unto you, upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Turn to Acts chapter 1. So he tells his disciples, he's right before his ascension, and he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. 
the promise of the Father. Now again, for us that understand the oneness of God, that doesn't mean it's a separate deity, Father, Son. But I understand Jesus was speaking as man, the promise of the Father. The dual nature of Christ is he was fully man and fully God. And when you see scriptures like this and it looks, go and wait for the promise of the Father, was he speaking as man, as God? As God, he was the Father. But as, or the Father was in him, manifested through him. But as man, he was speaking in his humanity, go and wait for the promise. For Acts chapter 1, 3 through 5, to him also he shewed himself alive after his passions by many infallible proofs being seen of him them forty days, speaking of these things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Look at verse 4. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard. As we enter the book of Acts, this is what it's saying in that Bible study, and I like the way they put it because they put it in such clear, uh, systematic sentences. As we enter the book of Acts, we discover almost immediately the promise of the Father is the baptism of what? Verse 5 baptism of the Holy Ghost. So you need to connect these pieces because as Jesus was about to ascend in Luke chapter 24, he said, go wait for the promise, the promise of the Father. When they get to Acts chapter 1, there Jesus begins to speak again. He says, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Go to Acts chapter 2. And verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. That is not the same word, sound. It may be in English, it's not. Look that word up. It does not mean phone. It does not mean language. This word in the original Greek sound means noise. Not the same thing. Suddenly there came a noise from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now do you remember back when we read in John and John and Jesus were talking, or John writing, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, he said, So is every man that is born of the water and of the Spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So we showed way back in John chapter 3, verse 8, it says it very plainly, that if you're going to be born of the Spirit, there is going to be a phone, a language that is going to accompany the birth of the Spirit. Go read now Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, there is the new birth, and began to speak with other tongues, there's the language, as the Spirit gives the utterance. You don't learn to talk in tongues. Contrary to what people think, we don't teach people to talk in tongues. You don't go around trying to tell them to do a bunch of noise and jargons. That's not it. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you are born again of the Spirit, and of the water. We'll get into the water here in a minute. But when you're born of the Spirit, the Spirit is going to give you an utterance out of your mouth. That's another language that you have never spoke before, according to Scripture. The Scripture keeps reading, And there dwelt in them Jews, Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. 
When it was noise abroad, the multitude came confounded because everyone heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed. I heard many people, if you continue reading, you hear all the different languages that heard their native tongue up there. And many people have said, well, the reason they talked in tongues was to preach the gospel to him. Then if that was the case, then Peter would have never said what he said at the end of that chapter. Turn your page if you got a page to turn or your iPad and just flip it with your finger and go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, here it is. Now I'm about to preach. The end of this message was the Holy Ghost falls, Acts chapter 2. Holy Ghost fell, cloven tongues, they speak another language. They're in the upper room and all these people are downstairs. Medians and Persians and Kryptonites and all these crazy people downstairs. That's got all these funny languages and they hear their language upstairs. And they respond back to these men and said, what are you doing? It's nine o'clock in the morning. Are y'all drunk? They said, we ain't drunk. This is when Peter responds in verse 14 of Acts. He said, standing up with the 11, lifted his voice, said, men of Judea, dwell in Jerusalem, be known to you, hearken to my words, for we ain't drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning, verse 15. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He came to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and daughters, prophesies, young men, dream dreams, old men, see visions, all this kind of stuff. And Peter begins to preach to them. He begins to preach to them. If those people that were of those languages and the reason that upper room people talked in tongues was for the reason for them, then Peter would have never stood up and preached. Somebody hear me. I wish I had a few I could think of right now. People I've taught Bible studies to. And they've, they've brought that, well, that, they just talked in tongues because uh, the, the, all those people were of a different language down there. If that was the case, then Peter would have never preached from verse 14 all the way down. Go read it. 23, 24, 26, 27. He basically preaches the gospel. Why wasn't he preaching in, a, in another language? Why wasn't he preaching in a Cretan or an Arabian or a Figularical or a Fimbalapia or a Cyrenian or a, a Mesopotamian or a Cappadocian? He didn't. He preached the word of God in one language. And when he preached and he got down to the bottom, he goes, now let me tell all of Israel this God made the, Jesus built him, he made a body. God manifested himself and you crucified him and he was Lord and Christ. I ain't got time to qualify it, L-O-R-D, that's lower caps, capital L-O-R, it's Adonai. It means master. It translates all the way back to the Old Testament. He was telling them right there, the God of the Old Testament that we call Father. You call him whatever you want. Father, Mama, Daddy, dog, it don't matter. The God, he was God of the Old Testament that created it all. The reason they call him Father is Father's create. He was trying to tell them the God of the Old Testament was God and he manifested himself as the Christ and revealed a name that had been hidden for years, Jesus he just took it all together and said, the God of the old, the God of the new is all one and you crucified your Messiah. He preached that in that language, not all those other languages. And then he says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, what must I do? They were convicted. The Word of God has an ability to convict the heart. If that heart wants to know truth, immediately when they see this in the Word of God, it's light. 
The light's going forth. And that light's going to penetrate darkness, false doctrine. That's why we've got to get the Word of God into these homes. We've got to get Bible studies started in homes. Go knock on a door. Can I teach you a Bible study? Can I tell you about God? And take this Bible study and take the light to them. The darkness ain't going to come to you. It ain't going to come to me. But if I can take the light of the Word to that, it'll dispel the darkness. So imagine, more homes I go to, the more neighborhoods I go to, the more people I go, I'm dispelling darkness if I bring the light of God's Word. They were pricked in their heart. They were convicted. And here's what they said. What do we do? That is the answer all of humanity should be asking at this hour right now. This ain't just a Bible study. We ought to all ask the answer or ask the question, what do we need to do? God, for those that have been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, God, what can I do more? What can I do to please you? For those that have never received the Holy Ghost, they can ask the question, what do I need to do? Peter answered and said, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to all your children. So what we see here is, is the word of God came. They spoke another language that they had never spoke before as a sign that they were born of the water and of the spirit. The born of the water is you got to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That is being born of the water. Born of the Spirit is you receive God's Spirit and you speak a language you never spoke before. And when those two things are done, you have obeyed the commandment or the words that Jesus told Nicodemus on that very night. He said, a man's got to be born of the water and of the Spirit or he in no wise can enter into the kingdom of God. So if people would ever say, I believe in Jesus, great. I'm glad you do. That's a great first step. But now let's go a little bit further as the Scripture has said. And the Scripture says, if I believe... And I'm not afraid of what people think or I'm being ostracized. Then there should be a next step. I need to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Many believed on him, but because they wouldn't go further in Scripture, they were lost. I don't want to be lost. I know other people don't want to be lost that you and I are reaching for. Let's get the Word of God to them. Take these notes. Take what I've done. I didn't even, I'm going to come back. I don't know. I'll pray about it and feel after the Lord. I'd love to get into Philip. I'd love to get into Cornelius. Maybe next Wednesday night we may cover those scriptures because they are rich and power-packed with the oneness of God again and the, the new birth experience that I believe all of us have, won't. And uh, for those that don't, are going to get it. In Jesus' name, God bless you.